Well, hello all and welcome to Markham's latest podcast episode. I'm Louise Kirk, part of the Markham Marketing Team in Australia, and it's great to have you listening today. Continuing our Invisible Strength series, we're diving into a hot topic, destruction by neglect. Along the way, we'll talk about environments that are particularly challenging for concrete. With us virtually today is Martin Prestige, Sales and Marketing Manager of our Industry and Infrastructure Department. Martin joins us from the Markham Headquarters in Napier, New Zealand. Martin, welcome aboard. Please introduce yourself to the audience. Thank you, Louise. Yeah, I'm Martin Prestige. Um, been with the company for over 10 years now. Um, yeah, as Louise said, working in the industry and infrastructure sector, so dealing with asset owners, um, civil consultants, engineers, and um, construction companies, working mainly on um, increasing the service life of concrete structures, uh, whether that's in the new construction phase or remediation projects, uh, being involved in the marine sector predominantly, um, and then more laterally across the mining um, and other civil projects. Thanks, Louise. Great. Thanks, Martin. And working with Martin is Doug Hamlin, our research and development expert. Doug, tell the audience about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Louise. Yeah, I'm Doug Hamlin. Worked with Markham for just over 10 years. Um, likewise with Martin, work in the infrastructure space here at Markham, so working with um, civil engineers, asset owners, um, looking at both new and existing um, projects, how we can extend service life. Um, I also look after the research and development um, and technical side as well. So um, some good experience between the two of us, I guess you could say. So yeah, back to you, Louise. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Doug. Um, so I thought we could lead into the topic by talking about environments that are challenging to concrete. Martin, what would you say is the most challenging place for concrete survival? Yeah, thanks, Louise. Interesting question. Um, the most challenging, yeah. I mean, obviously, you've got the the one um, that everybody knows about in, in marine environments, the concrete with the chloride attack. Um, but there's a lot of other areas where concrete's under continual attack just by airborne contamination or in their daily use, whether it's uh, storing fertilisers or other chemicals, um, wastewater treatment plants, and even just the uh, town supply, whether that's um, under sulphide attack, soft water attack, any um, sort of contaminants that be can become soluble and uh, get carried into the concrete. Um, as far as the most aggressive, it really depends on... Um, how much time was put into and how well they were constructed at the start, what the, um, how well they've been able to deliver on their service life um, aims. And then again, it's really how often they're in the wetting and drying cycle as well. So there's a lot of challenges for concrete out there in the um, general marketplace. Um, as far as the most aggressive environment for concrete, it's a little bit hard to answer in absolute. There's a lot of environments that are detrimental to concrete. The one um, common link is that the um, contaminants are all uh, moisture-borne, soluble, carried into the concrete and uh, increase the rate of corrosion just by being 
being able to ingress inside the concrete. So not sure if that answers your question, Louise. Oh, that's great, uh, Martin. Did I understand you correctly that all concrete contamination is carried by water, by moisture? Yeah, so um, all, all concrete contaminants that have ingressed are carried in by moisture. That's, I guess that's not an absolute statement. That's a common one. You do get um, these attack from CO2, that sort of thing, but... As a rule, if it's can be soluble in water, it gets carried in through the capillaries, the vein network system in concrete, carried deep in until it reaches the uh, reinforcing steel and accelerates the corrosion process. Um, you got some comments on that, Doug? Yeah, no, that's um, that's good. I fully agree with what you're saying there. The um, there's other things as well, like um, carbonation attacking concrete. So that's when carbon dioxide in the air mixes with moisture um, and forms an acid, starts breaking down the concrete. Um, and yeah, there's so many things, like even things like um, ASR and DEF, um, damage mechanisms, they they all need moisture to, um, to feed these reactions and um, break the concrete down. Um, so I guess what, what the main, I mean, what, what a good focus would be is to look at, Look at protecting these structures you know, right early on in the in a structure's life. So, even even going right back to design, whether you can include um, an admixture into the design, just you know for a little bit of extra, um, might be a little bit of extra cost up front. Um, but you know that the benefits of protecting that or stopping that moisture getting in, carrying that contaminants, um, you know, right from day one gives the structure its best chance. Um, that's not to be said it can't be done, you know, later on as well. Um, a lot of structures we see when they, they start showing um, initial signs of corrosion. Um, but, you know, even, even if you could can treat a structure within three to four years of it being built, there's still um, similar benefits to, you know, having a, um, an, you know, something in right at construction stage, um, if that makes sense. Yes, I think it does. Um so, Doug, um, to take no action and give the concrete no protection is really to condemn the structure to destruction by neglect? Correct. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So, um, you know, the old saying of a stitch in time saves nine, um, that can relate to concrete structures or it does very much so. Um, you know, so taking a little bit of extra care to, to stop that moisture moving through the concrete, stop it carrying contaminants, um, in those early stages of a structure's life is, you know, is saving a, um, actually, Martin, we were talking about the other day, the law of fives um, that's relating to concrete remediation repair. Do you want to just run over that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so the um, law of fives, um, it's pretty much spend a dollar for protection prevention at construction phase can save you up to $125 in the remediation phase. So, um, that's broken down. Um, so if you spent a dollar during construction, um, it could save you, say, $5 when the issues have first become apparent in a repair system then, or $25 once they've progressed and um, more extensive work's required, up to a major remediation. You're looking at around $125. So $1 to save $125. What we've noticed in the... Um, working in the field is in the engineer's 
best practices and it's no slot on the engineers they'll build something to a design code to get the service life required and what we've seen is the design um, the durability code that they're designing to doesn't always translate nicely to the outside world into the field um, so if you've got a, a structure with a pouring concrete in very harsh conditions um, whether that's in Northern WA, where it's extreme heat, that sort of thing. Um, and were they using a certain amount of, um, say, microsilica to get the meet the durability code? That doesn't give a nice mix. You end up with a lot of plastic shrinkage cracking, that sort of thing. So while they've met the code, done everything right, they're not always delivering a, 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 a durable structure from day one, whereas if you go slightly over and above and spend that extra dollar is what we're preaching, spend the dollar in construction so you you meet the code, but you also put it in admixture or you cure it with a penetrating hydrogel and that'll save you up to $125 down the track in remediation phase. That's it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so I guess that, that really outlines um, that concrete deterioration is, is by no means a linear or a gradual um, function. It is it's exponential and it really accelerates, um, as you can see, that dollar, $5, $25, then 125 um, That's obviously if the structure's left with no, um, no action taken. So yeah, that's that's really why we encourage that protective treatment right at the construction um, stage. So right from the, the design documents, or even in that in those first few years of a, of a structure's life. Um, obviously, if a structure has degraded um, to the point that it's needing repairs, it's still a good option to, to put a protection treatment on, um, like the, the colloidal silica hydrogels, because you re- you're wanting to keep that structure in that, in that condition, um, you know, in that repair condition, you don't want to have it carrying on um, degrading. Um, and, yeah, I really like what you said there um, about the, the engineering um, codes or the, the standards there. It's, um, it's you know, they are, they're, a, they're a good guide and, um, you know, give that, you know, sort of minimum requirements there. Um, but, yeah, like you say, there is, is some challenges in the, in the field with placing some of those, um, you know, high durability concretes. And um, you know, it always pays to, to to go that extra step, put some um, put some waterproofing, put some protection in the mix as well. Um, it's really like an insurance, I guess you could say. So yeah, back to you, Louise. That's enough yeah. for me for now. That's very interesting, Doug. Tell us about those treatments. What do you recommend? Yeah, sure. So um, we've touched on the colloidal silica hydrogels. So these are a um, a nano silica technology and the essence they react with the alkalis in the concrete and form a hydrogel and stop that um, moisture movement through the concrete. Um, Now these can be um, included as an admixture in the concrete right from the the very start or they can be um, spray applied um, to the concrete at a, a later date. Now um, once this hydrogel that I mentioned is set up, it prevents those internal moisture movements and prevent, prevents those contaminants getting through the concrete um, and causing that degradation. So if that makes sense there. Yeah, thanks, Doug. So, so what you're saying is um, 
you can put on a hydrogel treatment at any stage, any age structure. So um, whether that's 80, 90 years old, is that right? That's correct, yeah. So as there's always going to be enough um, calcium hydroxides and alkalis in the concrete for our, our treatment to react with and, um, and, and reduce the permeability of the, of the structure and reduce that, you know, the amount of contaminants that can get in um, and, and therefore pushing out the, um, the service life. What sort of um, preparation and what sort of visual impact does these treatments have on the structure? Um, so, yeah, it's a good point. The, basically, we need access to bare concrete. Um, so any, if, it, if we're talking about an existing structure, any you know, graffiti, existing epoxy coatings, that type of thing need to be removed. Um, and then, you know, water blasted down clean and then we spray apply them. Um, apart from that, it is because it's a, a penetrating treatment. Um, it's a it is a very um, fast fast application. Um, so that once once you get back to a clean surface, it's just a wet on wet coats, and it's a, um, you know minimal downtime. Um, yeah, that's perfect. I think the other um, benefit on the, with this colloidal silica hydrogels is. The environmental impact is very low as well. So there's very low, little need to catch and contain. Um, you can do it in high traffic areas. Um, you can open up to traffic very quickly, do it over water bodies, that sort of thing. Um, marine structures, you can get into the sea without having too many issues. So, mm -hmm. so Yeah, and all the way all the way through that um, it is you know, all these problems that are getting solved or, you know, protected against all comes down to the fact that the the moisture is being controlled in, in the structure. So, Louise, back to you. Yeah, thank you, Doug. Just sounds such a very simple approach, immobilise the moisture, that's all there is to do. It is, it is really that simple. Um, that is, I mean, it's, I guess you could say it's concrete's biggest floor um, in terms of damage. Um, of course, every project is slightly different. Um, we need to assess it on its own merits. Um, there might be a combination of um, repair procedures um, needed if the deterioration has progressed, um, you know, too far. But and then the on the other side of it, if it is a real aggressive environment, you might need to have a, a two or three or one or you know more than one line of defence there. Um, but but the key is to get in early um, early on in the structure. It's a, um, it's the most cost effective and efficient way to do it. You know, don't, I guess like like you've said, um, the destruction by by neglect. We don't want to condemn our structures to this. Um, so I think it's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's excellent advice. Well, thank you so much, Martin and Doug, for joining us today. And to all our listeners, we welcome any questions or feedback that you have on today's topic, or even if you have a specific project you'd like to talk about. If you want to find out more, please go to our website, www.markhamglobal.com. We do our best to respond to all inquiries within a business day. We are also happy to take suggestions for topics in the future, what are your concrete pain points in the field? How can we help to educate the industry? Thank you so much for listening and don't miss our next episodes.